My garden is an incredible source of joy, especially this time of year. Amen, anybody? Garden joy? Garden joy. Okay, a couple of you. I inherited 20 raised beds when we moved to Port Orchard and have been spending the last three years filling them with flowers and herbs and vegetables, a lot of which have come from you guys with your help. And uh, this time of year especially, it is my greatest joy to walk through the garden every morning and to fill a handful of raspberries and to see what God has grown overnight. Think about what I'm going to eat for dinner and just enjoy the way the garden has slowly changed. So because of that, I actually really love to weed even. Like it's a joy to me. I know. Anybody else? Six cents of joy out of this. Okay, great. Okay, just a couple of you. So if you're one of those people who's just not that into it, I want to invite you to borrow my joy because you're going to need the joy and the delight of the garden today as we get into God's word because we have been looking at the final uh, pages of our scripture. We've been in the book of Revelation looking at these images that God gives us to give his church security in times of anxiety. And the final three in Revelation 21 and 22 have been a one, two, three punch of what it, it will look like for us to live with God forever. And he describes our life with him as a city and as a temple, and then today as a garden. Um, so this is the hardest sermon for me to put together because the garden is so inherent to my sense of joy that I'm very tempted to just say, guess what? We're going to be in a garden forever. Amen. Praise God. I repent of all my ways. I want to be there, and I'm done. Um, but I know that that <laughs> might need a little fleshing out for more of you uh, who might not find that to be just the, like, the end of all the things. So um, if that doesn't sum it up, I want to I walk us back through this image that God has given us of living with him forever and why it is that a garden could be a source of joy for all of us. This, remember, the book of Revelation is a letter that was written to a church Because God saw that his church was in a season of turmoil, not sure what God was up to, how long was he going to move, how was was he going to wait to move in the world and to bring order back again. So he sent a vision to his friend John to share with the whole church a confidence to know that God really is at work and to paint forward a hope of what will look like to be with God forever. So this is the final, the, the end of the story. And kids, I wanna, I'm going to like interrupt you right away. We're doing things a little bit differently today because I want to read the end of the story in a kid's version. Uh, the biggest, I'm going to read it from this biggest story Bible because let's be honest, don't we all need it in the language of kids? <laughs> and uh, it just put, sums it all together. So simple, so beautiful. I'm going to have the kids come forward so that you can see the pictures up close. But I also have the pictures up here for the big kids that are among us. And what I'm hoping is that you'll see that God has given us all we need in the new creation. We're going to have all that we need. So um, I'm going to read the end of Revelation 21 and 22 from the biggest story Bible. Have you guys seen this one before? It's a good one. Okay. So here's the picture. What does that look like a picture of? Mm-hmm. Kind of looks like a temple, doesn't it? Okay. It's called All Things New, Revelation 21 and 22. Then John saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth, the one God made at the beginning, had passed away. 
And John heard a loud voice from the throne saying, look, heaven is coming to earth. God is coming to dwell with his people. So no more, can I get a head shake? No more. No more tears, no more pain, no more death. When God is everything, nothing sad can endure. Then the one who sat on the throne said, look, can I get some eyes? Are we looking? Look, look, I am making all things new. It is done. I am your A and your Z, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. I am your faithful God, and you are my forever children. And John saw, he's seeing so much in this. And John saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down from heaven like a bride, walking down the aisle for her husband. The city sparkled with the glory of God. The foundations of the city, maybe this is the city, what do you think? Did this look like a city? The foundations of the city were adorned with every kind of precious jewel. The city had 12 gates for the 12 tribes of Israel with great high walls and a street through the middle made of pure gold. Oh, I love this picture. Mm. What a sight the holy city must have been for John. What a sight it will be for us. Not only what is there, but for what is not there, shake your head again, what is not there, there will be no temple in the city because God is all in all. There is no sun or moon in the city because God and the lamb give it light. There is no night because the city is never at risk and the gates never shut because nothing bad can ever enter in. The world to come is like a new creation. It's like a new city. It's like a new garden. And then John saw the river. What did we think of river? How many of you were river people? River? Okay, he's going to see a river of life, of the water of life flowing from the throne. And on either side of the river was the tree of life with 12 kinds of fruit, and the leaves were for the healing of the nations. This garden will be the paradise that the first garden was meant to be. There will be no more curse in the heavenly garden, no more separation from God, and no more scary things in the dark. And then Jesus said to John, these words are trustworthy and true. Listen to this book, obey this book, trust this book, and look for me. I will be back to judge the living and the dead. That's our hope. That's our confidence. The snake crusher will return. Isn't that a fun title? In this version, that shows up on the first page when, when um, Jesus does away. That's his nickname. He's the snake crusher. The snake crusher will return. He will be our joy, and we will be his delight. The Holy Spirit says, come. Can you all say come? Come. come. The church says, come. come. Let everyone who is thirsty for living water say, come. come. Let everyone who wants to live forever say, come. come. Okay, last page. Looks so dark. Then Jesus had one last message for John, and it is one last message for us. Count on it. The snake crusher said, I am coming soon. And so we say, amen. amen. Come, come. <laughs> come, Lord Jesus. Tricked you. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. What do you think? Which picture did you like the most? The second one, this one? Yeah, that's a pretty one. Hmm. So here's what I want you to think about. You're going to go with Maddie and you're going to help us. Because I'm going to invite you guys back at the end. And if you're willing to talk from the microphone, I'm going to have you help us sum this all up. I want you to think about what is there when we're with God forever. 
what isn't there when we're with God forever. And then, bonus homework, what does it tell us about God when we think about what is with him forever and what isn't with him forever? Do you think you guys could help us with that? Okay, so you go with Maddie. Think about that, and we're going to work on it together up here. Don't you love kids' books? <laughs> Snake Crusher. So good. So good. Okay. So we've got God's giving us some clear images for what it looks like to be with him in his presence forever. That's what he's painting the picture for. What does it look like when we are in his presence? And it looks like a city and a temple and a garden. And what he's painting for us is the picture of what it looks like when we for sure have those things tangibly. We're eating the fruit of the garden. We have it in our pockets, so to speak. That's when we're with him forever. And this is also the picture for what it looks like for us to know God right now. He's trying to combine it for us. So we have some confidence and some security about what God is doing in the world right now. So two weeks ago, we talked a little bit more about that image of the city. That is a political proclamation. When God declares that he is building a city to live with us forever, he is meeting our need for a holy leader who is going to guide us and pull us together in a polis, a city, a politic, forever. And so when he gives us that picture of the city led by the Spirit, he tells us that we are loved and whole and unified because his image was not just a building was it it was also a bride it was a relational message of love for us we need this we need to know we are loved and whole and unified we are now by the spirit and we will know it forever when we participate in this city then last week we looked in depth at the idea of the temple this was a religious message because we need to know that there is a God who is with us. And the message of the city that doesn't even have a temple because God's presence has completely consumed it assures us that there is one God in heaven who is God of all and that we have access to him and to his glory. We need this. We need access to God. We need glory and so his image promises us that now and forever. And then finally, he gives us this message of the garden. This is a relational message. It promises us what we need in knowing that we're going to have every need met. It tells us that God is not only king over the city and God over the temple, he's also the father who provides for his people. It assures us that he has the power of creation and recreation. All we need is going to be met in this new creation. And to convince us of that, he gives us two really tangible images and pictures. He gives us the river, the water of life, and he gives us the tree the tree of life. So we're going to dig into that a little bit more. I'm going to read from what would more likely be the version that you would have at home, Revelation chapter 21, verse 6. 
Last page. Jesus says, I, it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To him who is thirsty, I will give to drink without cost from the spring of the water of life. Just like the other passages in Revelation, he zooms in again on the garden in Revelation 22, verse 1. Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, as clear as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb, down the middle of the great street of the city. Why do we need water? It's not a trick question. To live? To cool down? For goodness sake, it's been so hot, right? To be refreshed? Um, for those of us, myself included, without AC, we have found a way to be in the presence of water every day this week. We've done Horseshoe Lake. We've done water guns in the backyard. We've done Lake Cushman. We've done the Puget Sound. Today we're going to do the Puget Sound again. We do all the things, right? Because we're desperate for refreshment. It's weeks like this. We know that we are thirsty and in need of water. We are desperate. We need the water of life. And it is there in the garden. And it is with us now. God's giving us an image for there and for now. Jesus talked about himself being the water of life in John chapter 4 when he met this woman who was desperately thirsty. She was at the well in the heat of the day. She didn't come when it was cool because then she would have had to have been with everybody who did not agree with her lifestyle. And that was not fun. So she came isolated and lonely and desperate in the heat of the day to get her water from the well. And Jesus had an appointment with her. He met her there on purpose. And he offered her, he said, if you would drink the water that I have, you would never be thirsty again. And she goes, well, <laughs> give me that water to drink. I'll take that, right? And then Jesus makes this interesting switch. And he switches from talking about water at the well to talking about the spirit. Because when we see the water in scripture, we're seeing a picture, an image of what it is to be with God's spirit. And so what he offers to this woman is the spirit of God that will be poured out and will meet all of us who are desperate, spiritually thirsty. I think that word um, desperate is a good word for what it is to be spiritually thirsty, metaphorically thirsty, to have tried every means for self-satisfaction and found ourselves only wanting more, to be lonely and isolated like this woman was and in need of belonging. Maybe some of you have the chronic issue that I have of wanting to achieve more and never feeling like the job is quite done, to be stuck in patterns of behavior that are not only self-destructive but also hurt those around you and being desperate for change, desperate to know the future, what's going to happen with real estate, what's going to happen with the weather, desperate and thirsty. And that desperate thirst, Jesus has an answer for. He says to us, come and drink. The passage that we reflected on this morning, Psalm 46, is one of my favorite psalms. It says, um, and there are, there's a river whose streams make glad the city of God. The Lord is in the midst of her, and she will not be moved. 
all the way back in Psalms. So if you're chronologically in the scripture, this is long before the moment of this vision to John, long before the moment of Jesus with the woman at the well. Way back, it has always been the promise of God to satisfy the thirst of his people. I love that uh, that image from the Lord is not a cup of cold water. Because we need a lot more than a cup, don't we? The image that God gives us for the water of life is a stream that's deep enough to swim in. Like diving into Lake Cushman on a 94 degree day. God's presence, his spirit is the river of life that is truly satisfying. That meets every thirst that we have. And God gives us the picture of the river coming out of the throne of God. The Spirit comes from the Father. The Spirit is God. And he rushes through the polis, through the city, through the politic of people. And he makes glad the city of God. It is an eternal forever image that you can hang on to. And it is a promise for you today. The invitation is to say, Spirit, come. The church says, come. It's a really simple invitation to come and receive the satisfaction that you need from the Spirit who pours it out over us. This river is present on the last page of the Bible. It was present in the first page of the Bible. It satisfies the people of God, and it grows things. It grows life. In the first page of the Bible, the river of life fed the tree of life, which is also present in the final page of Scripture. He's summing all this up. Here's the promise that he makes us from the tree of life that is being fed by the water of life. Revelation 22.2 says, On each side of the river stood the tree of life, bearing 12 crops of fruit, yielding its fruit every month. I just got golden plums from the combs. We don't get those every month, do we? The tree of life bears fruit every month. And the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. I love this one. God placed this tree of life in the Garden of Eden at the very beginning. It was his intention that we would have eternal life with him. That we would always know his healing Now, in the very first pages, if you go back and read it, Adam and Eve were blocked from the tree of life by angels who stood guard to block them after people had disobeyed God and experienced broken relationship with him. Why would he block them from the tree of life? It would be... Oh, thanks, Siri. Siri found this on the web. (laughs) So great. They were blocked from the tree of life because it would be eternal torture to experience eternity in broken relationship with God. So he reserved, he protected the tree of life to protect us from eternal misery from him until a way could be made to access the tree of life and to live in eternal fellowship with him. Jesus is the way to the tree of life. He made the way for us to not be limited in our relationship with God. So Jesus is not only the water of life, he is the bread of life who gives us access to the tree of life. Our God is a life-giving God, amen? 
And so when Jesus' body was broken, the bread of life broken and given for you, in that moment, the punishment of being separated from God was meted out in his body and done away with. The curse that came upon creation and humanity and our relationship with God, that curse was undone in that moment. In the moment that Jesus died on the cross, a a curtain was torn in half in the temple, a curtain that had angels pictured on it that were barring the way from the presence of God. That curtain was actually torn because access is granted in that moment to the very presence of God. The way to the tree of life is now open, which is why Jesus said, In 21, verse 6, it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega. And then he unfolds this picture of the city and the temple and the garden because access is now granted to the tree of life. And we can eat freely and be fully satisfied 12 months out of the year, 24-7, every day of our lives, now and forever. And if that weren't enough, because that's all this individual satisfaction, the tree of life Also, its leaves are for the healing of the nations. Jesus is not just about meeting personal needs. He meets the needs of the whole of humanity, the whole of society. All of our brokenness will ultimately be healed by him forever and is available right now. It is possible to be best friends with somebody who doesn't speak your language because the spirit has come in and unified us and brought us healing. This is available to us right now. The best picture I can give for this, and I'm pretty sure I would get in trouble for this because I can see where the metaphor breaks down, but it really works in the Pacific Northwest, so just stick with me, okay? Who has blackberries in their yard? Okay, how easy are blackberries to get rid of? Brutal, okay. The idea of thorns came from the curse in Genesis 3, and I believe it, okay? So this year, there's a corner of my yard that was full of blackberries, and I was like, this is the year I'm done. They are not coming any further. So I brought in a crew to dig out the blackberries, and Ginny helped me plant this hill so that it could be fruitful and lovely with butterfly trees and foxglove and whatever else ended up in that hill. Are the blackberries gone? No, they're not. (laughs) No, they are not. I still am having to go out and pull the leaves all the time. They're a whole lot easier to pull, right? And that hill is bearing fruit. It is not Blackberry Hill, but I can't quite get rid of the blackberries. Okay, so here's here's the metaphor that I want to try to present. Hebrews says that Jesus is our once and for all sacrifice. Access is 100% granted. We do not have to offer sacrifices every day for sin because Jesus meted it out perfectly and completely. Brought in the crew. Blackberries are gone. And every day I am aware that I have chosen my own way. Every day I am aware that there is a rupture between me and God that also ends up rupturing me and people and ends up with me pulling thorns, literal, out of the ground. Jesus has completely done away with the barriers that we have to being near him. And I go out every day and I repent of how much I want to choose my own way with God. And if I didn't, 
it would not be long before I would feel that breach of relationship with God. In the same way that the butterfly bush, I can barely see sometimes because the blackberry, right? And so this is the word that I felt so strongly today. I think there are people who might be feeling this morning that it, it's been a long time since the joy, the rivers that made, <laughs> the streams that made glad the city of God. And you feel far from joy. And, you're, and in your mind, you're saying that's something about God. That's something about him. He's gone. He's distant. He's left me. Friend, I just want to invite you to do some soul work to say, did you once know that Jesus made glad for you the city of God, but you stopped tending your relationship with him? Access is granted to you. He'll come in today <laughs> and start pulling stuff out. He wants to make us glad. And it's a partnership. Work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who is at work in you to will and to work his good pleasure. Death is no longer the end. We will be recreated. And right now, it feels like a partnership that I can't quite get my theological fingers on. But then it will be known fully. Swimming, Ezekiel 47 says, in the river whose stream has made glad the city of God. Then it will be fruit 12 months out of the year, no more barrenness. I so look forward to that day. He promises us that he will fully dwell with us, that in this garden there will be full satisfaction and eternal life. And so the response, what word did I make you keep saying? Come. Come. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Jesus. And he says in that, um, that children's version, you can count on it. I am coming soon. You have been listening to a Kitsap House podcast. We are located in Port Orchard, Washington with in-person worship every Sunday. For more information, go online to kitsaphouse.org. Don't forget to subscribe and tell a friend. Thank you and God bless.